And good afternoon again. And good afternoon again. Much better. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. Or morning. We'll we'll go. It's, it's morning somewhere, right? All righty. Uh, let's see. Miss Kimberly's got children's church. So uh, those uh, that are here, we've got a few here this morning. Take a head over for that. Three or four looks like. Littles head over to Children's Church. While they're heading over for that, you want to mark uh, 169, Room at the Cross. We'll use that as our hymn of invitation this morning. And it's good to see everybody out. Got a good crowd for a, a cold, snowy January day. Those of you logging into Facebook or YouTube later on, we're glad to have you with us. Want to invite all of you to be back uh, uh, anytime that you can. Especially good to have some some visitors from our sister congregation, Level Green, this morning. Glad to have the Bakers with us. And uh, it's a privilege for me to be here each and every time. The Lord blesses me. C.J. Stroud. That name will mean nothing to some of you folks. Some of you will recognize his name. Uh, he's the uh, quarterback for the Houston Texans. Very good quarterback, a rookie. Uh, last week, uh, he led his team to victory over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Sunday night football games, what it was. And then after the uh, football game, they always do an interview with, with somebody that was really important to the victory. And uh, CJ was the one that they interviewed. And uh, we may not be aware, but for some time, live broadcasts have got a delay. Even a live is delayed five seconds or so because of some things that's happened in the past and things that were said. I'd like to show you a little video clip uh, of his interview. Uh, we can get it pulled up here. Even your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you, what does this moment mean? First of all, I just want to give all glory and praise to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been, but the love that I've got. I've really just been doing it for years, man. People back home, I'm blessed enough to be in the position I am, and blessed enough to be playing at a high level right now, and uh, we got to just keep it going, but I'm super blessed. In your first NFL season and a record-setting performance for you, what does this moment mean? I mean, it's been amazing being in this city for as short as I've been. Now, I don't know if you were able to hear the first part of that, but he said, first of all, I want to give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what he said in the interview. The second part, the edited part, is what was aired on Sunday Night Football. They edited out uh, that quickly, just a little short delay. Uh, on that, they were able to edit out the part about, he said, I want to give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, C.J. Strauss, uh, I'm not a Houston Texans fan, uh, but he is a, a Christian young man. Uh, he said that uh, football is the platform that he uses to do what his purpose in life is, and that's to spread the gospel of Christ. So... Uh, but I, the thing that I, I wanted to mention, on, and the reason why I showed that, was because of the fact that they bleeded that out again. We see this continue, and we think, we think Christianity is not under attack. We like to think Christianity is not under attack. 
if it wasn't under attack, why would they have taken the trouble to bleed out? I'd like to give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rest assured, folks, Jesus, Christianity, is under attack. The media, uh, the people who work for it, the big three especially, ABC, NBC, and CBS, uh, will not, uh, if they can avoid it, mentioning of Jesus' name uh, on air. If you would, turn with me over to John chapter 20. And we're going to look at a familiar story to start off this morning's sermon, or this afternoon's sermon. I'll say this morning, so I'll just go ahead and, I'll just go ahead and put a disclaimer in. I, I know that it is afternoon, okay? But I am subject to say morning all throughout the rest of the day. So, All right, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Uh, this is talking about Thomas and his unbelief. It says, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And when John wrote that, he's, you can take that as he's writing that directly to me, to you, to everyone that's listening, everyone that's watching, is that this was written for our benefit. It was written for the benefit of all the countless generations that would come after the resurrection of Christ. And we see that today, that, and that's what we read about here, about the doubt being removed from Thomas's mind through the resurrection of Christ, our benefit even today. And I want to ask ourselves this morning, if you would think that maybe our nation is very much like to the point of Thomas that they will not believe, except, of course we know the, the, the possibility of, of putting a finger in a nail hole or thrusting their hand into a side that a spear made uh, an injury to, that's not possible. So I ask you this, how is it that people will see Christ today? It's through us, right? And that's what I've been talking about the past couple of weeks. And, and one thing that I want us to be able to feel confident in whenever we, we see, because the fact and that is the name of the, the uh, sermon this morning, is they will not believe. People will not believe if people's, if it's being suppressed, and it is, when Christians are trying to give 
praise to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior when we have evil people, and it's evil, it's anti-Christ, when you have someone that intentionally suppresses the gospel, and that is a little form of the gospel, whenever he went on there to say, I want to give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is pre preaching the gospel. Albeit a short sermon, he's preaching that gospel. And those people choose to edit that out, then they are anti-Christ. We may as well just start calling a duck a duck in this country. And it's our responsibility as Christians to understand that the only way that people are going to be like Thomas and see is through us. And I've encouraged you uh, the past couple of weeks, especially last week, you know, to get out and do some things to call. And I'm not going to take roll, but I trust that we've had people that have done what I suggested we do with as far as doing something kind for someone, calling on someone. Uh, just uh, reading your Bibles more, all of those things. And I trust the Lord's blessed you with the opportunity to do that. It's important that we continue, and I want to continue to encourage you, and I want you to understand something else that you may or may not be aware of about our nation and the suppression of Jesus Christ. And the fact that we believe, and you, do we realize that that is the single thing that separates, basically separates our religion from all others? Christianity from all others is we have a resurrected Savior. That's it. I want to give you some facts here that you may or may not know. Muslims in the Quran, which is equivalent to our Bible, their Bible, call Jesus a Messiah. Buddhist do not believe that Jesus is a God, but rather a human being who experienced great suffering and taught about Dharma to help others find liberation. They believe that Jesus is a model for how to live a good life and achieve enlightenment. Jews, most traditional Jews, believe that Jesus was a, either a teacher or a charismatic leader or a false messiah. The Shintos. And I found this one to be very interesting. Shinto's, which is mostly what we, uh, is in Japan, believe that Jesus, they call him the Messiah, the worker of miracles. He did not, in fact, die on the cross at Calvary, as, as some believe. It was a brother, Izukariri, who had his ear severed. And it was interred in an adjacent burial mound in Japan. Jesus actually went back to Japan, lived and died there. The Sikhs do not believe that Jesus was God because their belief system dictates that God is neither born nor can die. They do believe that Jesus was born and lived a human life and therefore he cannot be God. However, they still show respect for all beliefs. They generally think that he was a prophet. Now, I mention those things for this simple reason. All the other religions, major religions in the world, speak in a favorable manner about Jesus Christ. They don't acknowledge him as Savior, but they don't speak ill against him. They don't say he didn't live. They don't say that, that uh, people who follow him have something wrong with them. 
They all acknowledged that he was here, that he was alive, that he lived and walked upon this earth. No matter what, how accurate they believe, and I'm not saying they're accurate, I'm just telling you what I was able to find they believe. But yet in America, a nation that was founded on the belief of Jesus Christ and to spread the gospel, his name is treated more like a cuss word than it is something to be revered. In fact, you're more likely to hear a foul word, cuss word, stuff that we used to not ever hear on TV. You're much more likely to hear that than Jesus' name in a favorable light, than God's name in a favorable light. So how is it that people, oh, they can watch TV and learn about that. No, they can't watch TV and learn about that because there's just as much negative on television as there is positive on television. And even on the, what we would consider a positive, sometimes it's not accurate. Sometimes it's false. A false messiah, a false preacher, not a messiah, a false preacher is teaching that. So it's left up to us. So how is it that we do that? Well, we arm ourselves with knowledge. And I'm not saying that we don't know, but I think it's good for us to be reminded that we have a place that we can go and that we can sit down with someone and begin to help them to learn and understand about who Jesus is, what he did, and the proof of who he was. Because all the other religions acknowledge that he lived. That's one thing that you can tell people. They acknowledge he lived. They don't speak ill of Jesus Christ. And all that Jesus ever, you know, Jesus said, I am God. I am the Son of God. All the others acknowledge that he was alive. So that's a pretty good, pretty good backup right there. But look over with me in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. The first 11 verses here, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, lays out an excellent case for Jesus Christ and the resurrection of. Because that is the thing that separates Christianity from all other religions. A risen Savior. Paul wrote to the church at Corinthians and says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you the first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve and after that he was seen of the above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep and after that he was seen of James then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which is bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it 
were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. This lays out as good a case for, the, for Christ as any short section of the scriptures if you needed to refer to that. So you can mark it. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, the first 11 verses, where he is laying this out and encouraging the church at Corinth. And this is this where we can come back and sit down with someone and it be a starting point. Because first, the first two verses is talking about the church itself. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So he made that known. The, the message that Paul preached is what they had already believed because that's what they preached, the same message that they had experienced. It's the same message that made them who they were, a living, breathing congregation there at Corinth. They heard the message of Christ, they believed the message of Christ, and it changed their lives. And they were standing firm in it, unless they believed in vain. He said, unless it, they heard the message and it did not have an effect on them. Paul told them that the gospel of Christ had never changed, and the message was the same. And they were there, and they were believing it, and that was permanent change. So let's fast forward to today, right here, right now. There are those that are saved. Anybody here that was saved, that is saved, is saved by the same gospel that Paul was talking about to the church of Corinth. Unchanged. It's the same gospel. Same Jesus Christ, same Savior, same work of the cross, same obedience. That's those folks there that he was writing to and talking about. They're church of Corinth. Now you think about this. For you that have been going to church for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, has the message ever changed here? Has there ever been something else changed? Level Green's the same way. Has the message ever changed? It's always been Jesus Christ, Him crucified, risen on the third day, and our acceptance of that. The message is the same today as it was to the church at Corinth that Paul's writing to. That's the kind of consistent, the consistency that God's word has, and that's where we can begin with people that, that under, for understanding of who Christ is. There he says again in verse 2, By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Or if you hold fast, some of your translations will say, if you hold fast to the word unchanged don't manipulate it don't change it. it doesn't need any help it's sufficient in itself and that message is what saves he's talking about people there at the end again people that believed in vain heard the message did not believe it had no effect and we've got people like that today there are people uh, that hear the message uh, they they may act the role of a christian or someone that believes but there's no change in their life. No change has been affected because of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not condemning people. I'm just saying that's a simple fact. And here's the thing about it. Belief is not enough. 
Because Satan and his demons believe in God, believe who Jesus Christ is. They acknowledge it all throughout the New Testament. Whenever uh, Jesus encounters demons, they call him by name, the Son of the Most High. What do you have to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? It's no question that the devil believes who he is. But yet, we have people that hear the gospel and they will not believe. Where will they see Christ except in us? They will only see it in us. We also see the testimony of the scriptures, verses 3 and 4. Testimony of the scriptures. For I delivered unto you the first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And of course, he's there referring to the Old Testament prophecy. And all the prophecies, all the prophecies, Jesus fulfilled to the letter. And that, verse 4, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, has that message changed? No, it's not changed. It's the same. It's the same message today, and it's the message that we have to encourage people to believe and understand. But we must ourselves believe and understand it. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, John said, or Peter said. He said, the scriptures said, and the prophecy said. And that's what we're saying. If I come up here and I preach, or any other preacher that comes in this pulpit and preaches, and says something of their own accord that is contrary to what the scripture says, then that makes it invalid. And that's what he's saying here. It's the message I received, and it is. The same message I preach to you today and have been preaching here for, for some time is the same message that led me down the aisle to accept Jesus Christ. It's that plain and simple. It's unchanged. The scriptures is where we base that from. All of it. 44 some odd prophecies all spoke about Jesus with accuracy. More than that, certainly. Some veiled. David talked about in his communion scripture how that it was a foreshadowing of Christ with Abraham and Isaac. If you're, if you're reading, if you're up to date on your Bible reading, we just read that about Abraham going up and offering up Isaac as well and stopping him. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 2 through 12, he says talking about the Messiah and that lamb for sacrifice you pick right up with what they was reading for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form or no comeliness and when we shall see him there will be no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we seemed esteemed, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall say, declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land, out of the living, for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he has, was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. If that doesn't describe the work of the cross and, and what the Gospels tells us about the death of Jesus Christ and the things that preceded, there is no description in the Old Testament of it. The accuracy of the scriptures, as David said, God had a plan from the first day, and it included Jesus. It always has. The Bible teaches us that. The Bible shows us that. Psalm 1610 even goes on and, and talks about, says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy, thine holy one to see corruption. Three days, Christ, we've talked about this. They knew that beyond the third day that corruption of the body began. Wasn't going to happen because it was part of God's plan. Peter, when he preached at the day of Pentecost, what did he remind those folks of? He reminded them of the signs and miracles and wonders that God performed through Jesus. All the prophecy fulfilled. Started with that sacrificial sacrifice sacrificial system and it ended with the tearing of the veil do we remember that do we remember the veil being torn from the top to the bottom the old system of sacrifice was gone and the new being Jesus Christ for all of our sins begun it's not hard to understand when we look at the Bible as a whole telling about the coming of Jesus Christ and the need for our sin to be covered by his blood the scriptures is testimony enough. Then you have eyewitnesses, and he goes into verse 5 through 8. And that he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then all of the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one who was born out of due time. So well over 500 eyewitnesses. Now, even our court system today, we think about this, puts much greater reliance on an eyewitness account than it does circumstantial evidence. And that's what we see here. 
eyewitness accounts of people that lived, people whose names are recorded in literature other than the Bible. That's something else we have to understand. Whenever we're talking to someone, when we're encouraging someone about accepting the gospel, that it is reliable, that it is worthy, there are other writers who have mentioned these men, Jesus especially, in writings other than the Bible, which lends to its validity. Here he's talking about eyewitnesses. I can't think of a court anywhere in the land that would not believe 500 people attesting the same thing to be true. Some of them were unlikely. Think about it, Peter, what had Peter just done? He just denied him, just denied even knowing him. And Paul himself saying, I persecuted the church. I'm the least likely one that would be an apostle. I'm the lowest apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Yet he acknowledges that he saw Jesus. So eyewitness accounts. They're valid today just as they would have been then. Then a common message in verse 11. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. And this is very similar to the first point but it's valid nonetheless. And he talks about it doesn't matter whether it's him or, or someone else that preaches that the message is the same. They preach one message and one message only. No debate. Not that some of the apostles went out and started preaching one gospel and other apostles went out and preached another gospel. It was the same gospel. It was the same message. And we don't think about that today. But you walk into any church of Christ, any Christian church, guess what you're going to hear? You'd better hear a message about the gospel of Jesus Christ, just like it comes from the Bible. And, I, and I'm satisfied that's what you hear. Now, I don't go to any other churches, so I don't know. I presume they do. I presume they do. But if we're a New Testament church, if we're, if we're a church that calls upon Jesus as our Savior, we have to preach. We cannot preach, just like Paul says, Therefore, whether it be I or they, we preach and you believe. And that's a result of preaching the gospel. People, people believe. Seen a, uh, a news story. Don't, I'm never home on Sunday mornings. So we were eating breakfast this morning and watched, what's it called? Sunday mornings. Sunday morning, I think, on CBS. One of their lead stories, and I'm not going to mention any the denomination's name, one of their lead stories, and it was about 15 minutes of, of a story, was about an openly gay minister and how that he had opened the door for this particular denomination and now there was other openly gay ministers proudly serving their congregations. So is that the same gospel? Is that the same truth of the scriptures being preached in those congregations as we preach. So you see it's diluted. You see that there is an attack on the truth of the scriptures. There is an attack in this nation for people to not hear the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Why do, not, why do they not want people to hear the name Jesus Christ? I refer back to verse 11. Okay, let's look at that again. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, so ye what? Believed. 
They don't want people to believe because they will not believe. And they do not want us to believe or those folks to believe. Let's put it that way. You're here this morning. I presume you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You've heard about Jesus Christ. There are people out there that, that maybe know a little something, but they don't know a lot. But they will not believe. Who will, how will they see Christ? Just like Thomas. Thomas believed because he was able to put his finger in the hole and his hand in the side. And he said that those that come after would be blessed because they won't see me. The only way that they're going to see Jesus is to see him through us. So I want to encourage you folks to continue to go out there and be doing those things that you can be Christ to someone. Because the world is going to make sure that his name is not mentioned. The world is going to make sure, and Satan is going to make sure, that if it is mentioned, it is distorted. And that things will be acceptable that are not acceptable in the scriptures. And they will hail it. They will hail it as some kind of great new revelation in the name of God. When in fact it's an abomination in, in the eyes of God. But the world and the culture that we live in, they seek that type of acknowledgement to dilute the truth of the scriptures. Because of what reason? Because that's where people are saved. People are saved because of the scriptures. People are saved because they see people that's lives were changed because of the truth of the scriptures, and that's our, our job. So I want to encourage you this afternoon, as we close, I want you to consider that, and I hope that you have the opportunity to be Christ to someone this week. No, I don't mean literally we're you're injured and someone can stick their finger or hand in your side. But those things that Christ talked about whenever the people say, did we not do great things, Lord? Well, when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me no water. When I was in jail, you didn't visit me. Those are kind of the things I was talking about last week, wasn't it? Going out and doing things for people, having compassion upon people. Let people see Christ in you this week. And I pray we all have an opportunity for that to happen. And if we have the opportunity to share a little bit of the gospel or to invite them to church to hear about the gospel, hear about Jesus Christ, do that. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation this morning. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, but you've heard and you believe and you're willing to accept, and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess Christ as your Savior, to be buried with him in the likeness of his death, buried in baptism, raised in new creation, having received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you walk faithful after that, serving him. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, you've done that, and you realize, you know what? I'm not committed to being Christ to be in Christ to those that I encounter. Well, I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to rededicate yourself to that. You don't have to come forward. You're welcome to come forward if you need to support and prayers, brothers and sisters in Christ. But you can do that because your relationship is personal between you and God, and I encourage you, if there's something that needs to be repaired, repair it and move on. Repent. In either case, we're going to sing Room at the Cross, 
for you. 169, we're going to sing the first and second verse. Would you come as we stand and sing?